Hey everyone, Serge here, and I am so excited to announce a brand new addition to SparkCast. Of course, by now you've gotten used to every Thursday a new SparkCast interview with a social champ near you talking about all the different things that we do on social platforms, including Spark Social. But today is the first day where we are going to launch our Tuesday broadcast. This is where we will interview a leader in Walmart, and they tell you about their highs and lows, different examples and experiences that they've had while they've grown up and moved along within the Walmart community. So again, every Tuesday, sit back and enjoy Leaders of Walmart right here on SparkCast, and of course, as always, Thursday SparkCast with the Social Champ. Without further ado, this is David Redfield, Northeast Divisional and Senior Vice President right here at Walmart. Enjoy. I love this show. I love this show. I've told all my co I've told all my coworkers. I've told all my coworkers. Listen to it every day. Listen to it every day and it's amazing. Do you have the spark? Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaders of Walmart. I am so excited today for you to be able to meet David Redfield, our Northeast Divisional Senior Vice President for Walmart, and I'm going to kind of let him introduce himself a little bit further. So, David, thanks so much for being on the call. Thanks, Serge. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Um, just want to first and foremost say to all the associates out there, I think first and foremost it would be an error if we don't start with them and the things that they are going through and everything they're doing about being on the front lines of everything that's going on with COVID, their communities, their families and everything that's going on. I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge all the things they're doing right away and right off the bat because they're, they are towing the line, not only for our company, but I think a lot for the country and what they're doing and keeping everything going. So just a big thanks for them. So, uh, I thought I'd start a little bit because one of the things we talked about, Serge, was kind of how to start with, you know, careers. You know, where does it, where did it start? What, how did it manifest and things like that? And mine's kind of a really jaded back, back story. So jaded, not in a bad way. Jaded is a lot of experiences. Don't take that out of context, anybody. Although there has been jades in there. So, <laughs> um, you know, I started off, I'm actually from Bentonville originally. I'm, I was born here, uh, grew up here, went to high school. Uh, went to the University of Arkansas and everything else. So like many people around here, uh, my first job at the company uh, when I was 17 working in the distribution centers, I was working on the shipping docks at 17 um, and DC number one, which most people don't have any idea where that is because it doesn't exist anymore. It's actually uh, where the home office is. It was actually attached to the home office at that time uh, when the home office was a lot smaller and so I was working on the shipping dock. So I would work, come and uh, work on the DCs in the summer and go to school uh, for college and get a different job in the fall. So I was an hourly at Sam's. I was an hourly at, Walmart, at uh, the distribution centers. I worked in the freezer at Sam's. Uh, went into management, became an assistant manager, after uh, a department manager too, an assistant manager, a club manager for Sam's, market manager. Um, left the company for two years and moved to Canada with another retailer for a little bit. And when I came back to Walmart, I actually expatted to Argentina with Sam's Club and ended up closing down the Sam's side of Argentina, which was a great personal experience, but very tough professionally, um, but loved the people of Argentina. Um, was down there for a while. And then when I repatriated, I worked in the home office in uh, the international division for a while. 
And then I kind of took a left-hand turn and went to the neighborhood markets when they were just getting started. Uh, and I did that for about three years and helped build that format and create the business model. And then went to, uh, and I took another left-hand turn and uh, actually had the opportunity to run CMI for about a year and work in that area with David Stills and the great associates over in CMI and learned a different part of the business. Uh, and then I, from there, I became, uh, a, you know, back to Sam's and ops support. Um, and then from there, that's when we sustainability was coming up, worked on some sustainability things, some compliance things, as well as my day job, um, worked on a project in compliance, uh, the bucket system. That was my task force that I did way back in the day, sat in legal, actually sat in the legal department. That was interesting. Uh, no offense to any lawyers on there. Um, and so from there, I, uh, went back to Sam's or back to neighborhood markets and ran the neighborhood markets after a little while, um, running them for about three years and then became a divisional for there. And I've been a divisional. I, I really searched. I don't know how long, maybe eight years, seven, eight years. I've been a divisional. I've had, uh, four divisions. Yeah. They keep changing the lines and the size of the division. So, you know, I think my first division was like 234 stores in the Northern Plains. And then, then it was the Southeast and it was mid Atlantic and it was Northeast. Just kind of, it always just kind of migrates and that's what's going on. So it was really interesting. So kind of had a really sorted different kind of experience from hourly all the way through different roles in the company. So a lot of mostly field-based, a lot of office and a lot of different experiences. Really that's, kind of, that's, a, that's about as read or digest version as I can make that right now. Well, I think that's exciting because I think it's great to hear individuals, like you said, that have, have literally done all of the different runs. So very often we feel that some leadership maybe gets brought in from other capacities, but you've been a part of this business, you know, every phase of the business. And I think that's why it's made you so successful. And I think that's kind of leads into that next question. Give us what's a standout, like what's some advice that you would give us that would really help an associate stand out in their roles, um, wherever they might find themselves. Yeah. I kind of think of that in two dimensions a little bit about one about leadership and one about personal, right? And the personal side of it, I, I, let me tell you something happened to me that really, I try to live by this and it's helped me. And I, it's strangely, I've done it many times. Clearly you can see by my experience. Uh, I was sitting in an evaluation once and I was getting a, not a great evaluation. I was considered, always considered a, a good performer and I was getting this evaluation. I didn't like who I was working for. Uh, the only time I could really say that in Walmart and he didn't, I don't think cared for me very much and I don't hold my tongue very well. And I was sitting there with a, our executive vice president who was sitting in my evaluation. He just wasn't getting it. And he goes, and he asked me a question and it was some of the best advice I've ever gotten. And he goes, do you like what you're doing? And I said, no. And he goes, do you like who you're doing it for? And of course my supervisor sitting there and I said, no, that went over <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> but he goes, you know, there's going to be times in your career when you're going to have jobs that you're not crazy about. And there's a lot of folks that won't take risk in their careers. And if they are in operations, they stay in operations. And if they're merchandising, they stay in merchandising or marketing, they stay in marketing. And all those folks, they usually do pretty well in their careers. And they're, they're okay. And they look at the back of their career and say, wow, you know, I'm, I've done okay. And then there's the folks that take the jobs they don't know anything about. They get offered opportunities. And a lot of people wouldn't take those. And when you go and you learn something you know nothing about, and your learning curve shoots up, he goes, that's where the pain is. He goes, but those people at the end of their careers look back and they've accomplished so much more. They're very, a lot happier with what they've done and how they've done it. And they are usually a lot more accomplished. And he goes, in this time in your career, even if it's a job you have now, if you don't like it, you still have to be learning it. 
You have to be digging in. You have to be learning the most out of it. He goes, but that's where the pain is. And he goes, you need to go where the pain is. And so every time I've had an opportunity to move up or do something or take another position that I knew nothing about, I always reflect on that. And I've always kind of lived by that. And it's, it's done really well because I've learned things that I don't know if I would have had the opportunity if I would have taken a one track career. So, and even if it's a job you're in, let's say if it's in a store and I don't know that much about claims, become an expert, hmm. become a subject matter, the expert that you become reliant on knowing what's going on. Why? Maybe it's about shrink. Maybe it's about uh, the cash office. Maybe it's about fronting controls. Maybe it's about customer service. You know, maybe it's something at market level. Maybe it's something in e-com. Whatever it is, go learn something you know nothing about because you're afraid of it, but that's where you grow the most. That's when you can connect the dots. That's when you can do that. Wow. But I've always tried to live by go where the pain is, but that's where the, you learn the most and that's where you surge. That's where you, you take off and that's when your career escalates is when you can not master it, but you learn and your confidence grows and you become able to take on more. That's incredible. And, and yeah. so counterintuitive to really where our culture is today. To, yeah. to say, don't make it easy. Uh, look for the hard and learn from it. I mean, that's excellent. That's excellent advice. Yeah. I think from a leadership standpoint on people getting promoted, I, you know, I always, you know, I've been around about 30 years, um, just in the wall, just Walmart and retail a long time. And I think I under heard this, but I don't think I understood it until I became a divisional, but I really understand the, the beauty of it now is when we say servant leadership, if you want to get promoted and you want to do that, do better at serving the folks that work with for you and worry less about yourself. When you worry about them, when you take care of them and you serve them for what they need, their careers flourish. And then you're the benefactor of that. You are the one that, that becomes the one that gets the most satisfaction. And it is very satisfactory to see those that work for you get promoted but the beauty and the mastery of servant leadership, it's, we tend to gloss over it a little bit, but the ones that get promoted, and I can remember all the ones we've had the opportunity to promote over the years, they've mastered it. They've mastered how important their team is more important than them. And they worry less about impressing their supervisor and more about serving the ones that work for them. And those, those folks have great careers ahead of them. And there's a lot of them. And I learned that from them. Yeah, I mean, you, you've given us a lot now. Like, I, I have a couple other questions, but that was gold. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And, I, and I've not always lived by that. And I've, I've had to learn from my mistakes. That's great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Um, I hope, I, I know that if you're listening right now, you should be writing that down. <laughs> Taking notes on those two pieces for sure. Um, so what about, listen, you said you were talking about the hard. So I'm going to throw the hard question to you. What about a mistake? Is there a mistake that you've made that stands out in your mind in your career with Walmart that, um, that, we, that you learned from that, that you would, you know, you won't do that again, or, or maybe it turned out for better. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you might have to edit this at the end of it. I, I guess <laughs> I'll use good language. Um, this one still haunts me. Um, I was a market manager and I had somebody that was working on my team and he was running a facility, a Sam's club and he, he wasn't doing a very good job. And I knew that I, I had to do something with him. And I, I probably took a very short route on exiting him from his role. And it was decades ago now. And then after it was over, 
I realized, and it took me a little bit to realize it because I took, there was a group of associates who just weren't happy with the leadership. And I took one, their point of view on things. And I got them all together and I talked about it. And I'm like, yes, 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 that person's no good. You're right. Oh my gosh, I got to do something about it. And I reacted and I, and I removed that person from the facility, which he was over his head and, and first and foremost. But I realized after that how many folks actually did well with him in the store, mm-hmm. in the club. And I realized how much I failed him. And it wasn't his failure, it was mine. Wow. And I was, that, that interaction haunts me to this day that I was young, I was in a market, I was running a market, I was immature, um, and I wasn't thoughtful my approach to him, the facility, the community, and I should have done a much better job. And the failure wasn't him, it was me. And I didn't know how to recognize it in the moment, and I didn't know how to recognize my posture on it about how I should have done it differently, and I was really immature on my approach to that. And I think that that's one that I, whenever somebody asks me that question, there's a name in my head, there's a place on the map and there's an interaction that I caused that um, the outcome may have not have been different, but my approach to it was 100% wrong. And I try not to do that ever again. And I'm never perfect. I'm not great. I make a lot of mistakes still, but I realized how much I failed that not he, he didn't fail it. I did. And I, I don't want to do that to anybody again. That's incredible. So you, yeah, it's incredible, but it's, it's you just, you're, you're dealing with people's lives and they might have capabilities, but they might be inexperienced. And are you finding the gaps? Are you helping them out? Or are you just cutting bait and running? And we have this tendency to just hold people accountable. And we forget that if you've got a team of people you've got on coachings, the problem's going to be you. The problem's not them. You've got to develop and work on those teams. But my approach to that, was so wrong. And I just, that individual, I should have done a much better job for him at that point in time, but my own immaturity kind of caused that. I mean, it takes incredible insight to, to have recognized that in yourself. I'm, I'm wondering just a little follow-up question. Did you, did you realize that quickly or was it over time in your maturity and role that you saw it? Yeah, I think I recognized parts of it quickly, but not the full context quickly. I think as I went on in my career, I just reflected because it's still, like I said, it still haunts me. I look back on how that interaction worked and I realized things through there that I should have done a lot better. The point about balancing feedback, I recognized within days of I might have screwed this up because everybody I thought was, oh, these people, they don't like the store manager, but there was a whole lot of folks that did. Hmm. The club manager, excuse me. And it was, you know, I don't care what the format is, that that is an interchangeable skill that you've got to figure out, whether it be the office, the field, the format, um, the channel, whatever we use, that doesn't change. Yeah, the approach. I love it. And it articulates being human. And we're talking about that. Yeah. yeah. It seems to come up over and over. Um, so advice, if, if you were to give just one piece of advice, I mean, you've given us a lot of great information at the beginning, yeah. but like specifically in the context of wanting to move up in my career, if I want to move up my career, I want to promote, what's a specific piece of advice you would give an, an associate? Um, we are in a time where retail is changing really, really quick and a lot of direction is coming down. And, and, we're, and we're doing, we're pivoting, right? We'll give direction and we'll change it. And everybody, if you're the recipient of all that, it just things, it makes people think that we can't make up our mind. 
But really what happened is factors and information is changing. Data is changing. We get the right. We reserve the right to get smarter as we go. But as things come down, you've got to take the time to understand the why. When you're just getting a task, say, I need you to go do this, somebody throughout an organization, and I don't think we're particularly great at this right now, and I've got to get better at it, of explaining if direction's coming down and we're trying to do something, we've got to explain the context of why we're doing it. And what, because it's never about the task or the assignment we're doing, it's about something else that's coming, something else we want to accomplish, something else that is needed to associate, something else that is needed to the customer that we're going to try to address, and maybe that's a stepping stone. But we've got to explain the whys so when our associates are doing what we need them to do, they understand the bigger picture about what success looks like. And usually we, we talk because we're an action-oriented company. We talk in the here and now about do this so I can get that. But we are really not explaining ecosystems and we're not explaining codependencies on things very well. But take the time to learn the why. So when you're trying to accomplish something, you can help us make better decisions on what, how we can adjust. How can we be better? How can we make more informed decisions? But if you can do it with context, it seems to go a lot better. But we've got to explain the whys. And I think that goes for the office. I think it goes to the field. I think it goes for every level that we have. I just think it's one of those things we have to get much better at. That's great. Um, the why is, is so important and something that, like you said, you, you can do it and immediately just do the task. But in the end, if you don't understand the why, it's going to fizzle out. Yeah. And ima imagine that person going to another role and we're going to promote them, but they still don't understand the why. What happens if they're multi managing multi-facilities? Multi well, they still don't understand the why. We're, we're really kind of cheating them. And the same thing with an assistant to a co or code to a store manager, if they don't understand the why, you know, we're missing the opportunity to have them excel and we're going to, we're going to end up with a, a, probably a hard stop of what we can, a glass ceiling that we can't get beyond. That's good. Last, uh, last question for us is, is what is the biggest challenge that you see right now that we can talk about um, in, in retail for Walmart, um, you know, that for the everyday associate and what, what can we do about it? What, what do you see the biggest challenge being? Pace, pace of change. You know, the pandemic caused a lot of things, but we were already in this flux of change. Yeah. And I think our ability to pivot, our ability to change, our ability to learn is one of the things we have to get even better at. Um, you know, we did the project flash where we, we put on 2,500 stores where we're starting to, you know, pick from the store to be able to help out of fulfillment centers to take care of the customer, be able to do it. That was a monumental task that we did in a matter of days. That was amazing. We align technology, we align the associates, we align communication, and we, we were able to help everything out. Um, but that's one point in time. But retail is changing so much, we, we have to get better at pivoting and changing quickly to be able to do that in a better pace and acceptance, right? It's kind of the difference between product and projects. So we got to get better at it. I think that's one of our, I think it's something that Walmart has always been about. And so I love that you have brought that up because it is changing faster than ever. And we are a really big ship, but yet we're still figuring out ways to pivot and change. And, but sometimes it takes a while to trickle down, right. To get, to get everywhere it needs to go. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I, I worry about it. I, I worry about, and that's kind of goes back to the same thing I said about the whys. the really big point. If we want to move faster, 
Um, we can't crush under our own weight, but we have to be able to explain to really critical times and really critical communication to the right audience what we're doing, why we're trying to accomplish it, and let it go. And, and we have to do that with really good information. Um, we've got to learn to do that better. And, and I truly believe the best ideas come from the field. When we give them the autonomy, we give them the permission, they make us, our field associates make us better when they make informed decisions. And they make the company much better. And, and our, tree, our, our associates make the difference. <laughs> they do. They truly do. Um, we, and I think it's a great place. We started the call off thanking our, our frontline associates. We're, we're finishing up the call saying you do make the difference. Um, David, thanks so much for your time. I know that was a big hassle out of your day to make that happen. And um, I really appreciate it. And I know that many thousands of others will appreciate this as well. Lots of great information. Um, any, any last words for us? No, I, I think I'll begin where I started or end where I started. And just a, just a thanks to everybody. It's, um, there's powerful, it's a powerful words to say thank you, but it's got to be sincere. But I, I don't know anybody that's not sincere when they're trying to thank our associates right now. It's like when you're out in the stores and you see what they're coping with uh, and how appreciative our communities are. Yes, there's some, there's some customers that kind of get a little silly every now and then. But, man, our, our, our associates are amazing with them. Just thanks. Both management and hourly, all of them, all of them together. That's awesome. Well, on behalf of leaders of Walmart, thank you so much for joining us, David. And thank you so much to all the viewers out there. If you found this content in intriguing and you learned something yourself, make sure you share it and pass it on to someone else that has. We're thankful that uh, we were able to have time today and uh, look forward to seeing you next week on the next episode of Leaders of Walmart. Thanks for listening to SparkCast. Join us on Workplace to learn more about this episode. Join the Social Champs program and how-to guides on improving your social posts. Until next time, be the spark the world needs.